So hello, good afternoon. Uh, I'm very pleased to, to welcome all of you to spend this afternoon uh, together with us at uh, Sorainen uh, webinar on uh, a private client. And uh, <clears throat> initially we, uh, we planned to have this uh, uh, event offline and uh, uh, separately in all four uh, countries, uh, Estonia, Latvia, uh, Lithuania and Belarus. Uh, but as the current situation shows, we are unfortunately unable to have these uh, live events. And uh, I always like to remember one quote from one seven-year-old boy uh, who uh, answered the question, uh, what's life uh, with an answer, but uh, life is what happens if you have other plans. So it is exactly, I think, also today that we, we had other plans, but uh, life is... Uh, Life is what happened uh, that we will have this online webinar together with you. Uh, what's going to happen today is that um, my name is Kerk Kelder and uh, I'm head of a, a private client uh, a team uh, at Sorainen. I will present uh, some overall information about uh, our team, uh, our practices, some current trends in a private client uh, consulting uh, in the Baltics. We have two um, distinguished uh, guest speakers, uh, Michael Rutili from Vivers and uh, Donata Stylita uh, from Lithuania. I will give a short introduction about them a uh, little bit later. And um, uh, yes, uh, lean back and uh, enjoy our presentations today. We are happy to have you. Uh, so before I go to the first slide, uh, which is uh, about why do we think it is important to launch private client services at Soren? And I would maybe uh, bring, uh, I, I should probably bring you all at the same page. Uh, what are these private client services? Um, uh, what, uh, what we are offering? And um, private client services uh, are legal services at Soren, and which are designed around private individuals' needs. And uh, foremost, uh, such needs as um, accumulating and preserving, uh, also distributing and uh, donating their private wealth. And uh, our clients um, are typically businessmen, uh, founders, uh, family businesses, uh, also international talent, uh, such as um, IT developers, uh, artists, um, um, consultants and um, and yeah and people active in art and uh, why do why why did we launch this uh, private client um, uh, sector group uh, <clears throat> the thing is that uh, we have observed that in recent years um, uh, the wealth has considerably increased uh, in the Baltics and um, European Investment Bank has also confirmed that uh, Baltic's uh, standing and weight in terms of business, technology and innovation is growing stronger than ever. So we, we observe that there is a certain need from private individuals uh, to get advice, uh, which is not only concerning their businesses, but is, uh, is concerning uh, their private uh, uh, wealth, uh, their private assets and uh, distribution of those assets. And uh, another reason which is important to us is that um, 
When the wealth is generated in our region, and if the wealth is remaining in our region and used in our region, uh, it will benefit uh, approximately with 15 million people uh, who are currently living in Baltics and Belarus. Uh, there is also another aspect that uh, uh, more than half of the families uh, remain closely involved in their strategic asset allocation. And uh, it is a certain cornerstone of uh, wealth uh, preservation. We see actually the same uh, trends um, also in the Baltics that most of our clients and most of the uh, uh, individuals having businesses in the Baltics um, they still have uh, allocation of a business interest in, in the Baltics and they, they do need uh, certain advice uh, regarding you know, uh, preservation of this wealth band and giving over to uh, future generations. And uh, what we aim to do is that um, we want to provide uh, all those individuals with meaningful support uh, uh, in, uh, in managing their wealth and, uh, and um, providing um, their families uh, for long term. So, uh, next slide is about the wealth generation uh, in the region. I have to say that um, the meaningful statistics regarding wealth generation during COVID period now uh, are effectively absent. Uh, uh, last reports from 2019, it means from <clears throat> before the COVID time, they forecasted approximately 25% growth uh, for the region, which is considerable. It was uh, much higher than, than actually European average growth. Uh, um, but first reports from uh, 2029, uh, 2021 now uh, show uh, that actually worldwide uh, wealth increase has been led by China. EU ha has been lacking behind. The wealth generation in EU uh, is not so considerable, uh, but the wealth which is created in EU is uh, is led by Germany, and uh, that billionaires' wealth uh, has increased, while millionaires' wealth has uh, decreased. I think the the, the latter uh, statement is rather speculative. Uh, depends how you do the statistics. Uh, but nevertheless, it, it seems to be uh, seems to be the case according to the recent reports. Uh, and uh, why um, is it important is um, what we do, uh, and it's also reflecting in the trends what we see in the politics is that uh, worldwide, it is expected uh, that uh, from 2006 to 2061 approximately 58 trillion US dollars is moving from one adult generation to another. So uh, we are just in the beginning of a trend when uh, where uh, considerable wealth uh, is uh, changing hands in, uh, in the world. And we see it already happening uh, in reality also in the Baltics that uh, new generations are, are coming. Uh, so, current trends, uh, we have a slide, uh, what I would like to tell you um, about in the Baltics is um, uh, drafting family constitutions. Uh, we see um, uh, several families uh, drafting family constitutions. Uh, exact amount of uh, families uh, who use uh, family constitution uh, is not uh, known. Uh, but it 
this food to be around tens of families in Estonia, tens of families uh, in Lithuania, uh, the less maybe so uh, in uh, Latvia. And if you ask what is a family constitution, uh, then it is actually a governance document uh, which should reflect uh, the values, uh, goals, uh, principles of doing business and uh, investing, as well as um, uh, defining family members' roles. We will, uh, we will talk more about family constitutions uh, a little bit later, so in more in detail. Another trend that we clearly see is establishing family offices. Uh, a family office uh, is a dedicated solution. Uh, it is usually in a form of a company, uh, which is meant for a complex management of a family wealth. Uh, it should support the family in the day-to-day -day administration and management of a family's uh, affairs and long-term strategies. There is a world trend, uh, which is uh, huge family offices uh, with institution-like status. Uh, they have billions under their management and actually, according to the latest trends, they are also uh, preferred as investors in, in many uh, business segments. Uh, in the Baltics, family offices um, are often just multifamily offices um, uh, responsible for coordinated uh, investments into certain projects. Uh, such as, for example, real estate projects, uh, technology um, uh, projects, startups, uh, and they are also providing legal assistance and managing uh, daily schedules of, of uh, <coughs> family members. And exact number of family offices uh, active in our region is also not uh, known. Uh, uh, all the countries are not the same. Uh, we have heard that uh, there is considerably less interest towards family offices in Latvia, uh, while as there are several family offices in, uh, in Estonia and Lithuania. Uh, also, again, less is known uh, about Belarus, uh, how, how many family offices there could be. Um, third trend, what we see from, uh, from uh, family business or, or wealthy families is using the foundations and trusts, uh, the interest is growing. I have to mention that um, uh, in the Baltics we don't have a regime which is recognizing uh, trusts and uh, we also don't have a private foundation regime. Uh, in some cases uh, insurance policies are, are used instead of them. Uh, I will go into details um, a little bit later. Uh, and. Um, uh, people are also designing uh, corporate documents uh, and redesigning actually them to, to reflect the possibilities uh, to manage uh, the companies uh, for, uh, for uh, family, uh, family goals, for example. Another set, you know, on the slide you see the, the last four uh, aspects. Uh, these are more individual aspects, not so much of a family oriented, but really like individual. Uh, these are the questions, uh, uh, increasing amount of questions uh, regarding tax residences and individual tax declarations. Uh, these questions are typically coming from foreigners and international talent living in Estonia and less, you know, uh, sorry, uh, living in the Baltics and less, you know, from, uh, from the local uh, nationals. We see huge increase in inheritance cases, especially in, in cross-border situations. 
philanthropic giving and private museums is also something uh, what is a topic, uh, maybe less in Estonia, but certainly uh, lots of private museums are, are coming to Latvia. Uh, Lithuania is also leading in, uh, in art investment as such and uh, intellectual property related issues. Uh, so, um, next slide, Ines, please, you can change the slides. <clears throat> uh, I would like to share uh, some, um, uh, some stories uh, from our uh, everyday practice, because I think it gives you the best overview of what is actually happening uh, in our firm and, and uh, in practice and uh, maybe some ideas, you know, why these questions or in which situations these questions may become relevant. Uh, so uh, what we see in a practice is, uh, for example, inheritance issues without the will. Uh, I, I would like to uh, share one specific story. Uh, I selected this story because, um, uh, because uh, uh, the things what, uh, uh, what took place in this story uh, are not um, uh, specific to, to this particular case, but they are actually reflecting several cases what we have had. So the story was within inheritance uh, without the will, but um, uh, it was a fairly uh, famous uh, person uh, who unfortunately passed away and he didn't leave any will behind. Uh, so what happens if you don't leave a will behind? Uh, it happens that uh, all the inheritance proceedings uh, will go by the law. So first of all, uh, the place where the deceased person uh, lived uh, before passing away, um, uh, lived permanently, will define uh, how the inheritance proceedings uh, will be uh, executed and who are the heirs. And in this case, we had, uh, we had um, spouse, uh, adult children and, uh, and one minor child. And um, uh, it is easy if you consider that, you know, um, you just, you know, you inherit by the law in, in one country. It's a relatively easy procedure. Uh, but if it involves more than one country, as in this case, the things uh, start to go more complicated. And in this case, uh, uh, family uh, didn't know uh, that um, <clears throat> this person had assets also in other, uh, other countries when it appeared. Uh, then, uh, first of all, they had to understand what kind of assets uh, this person has. Uh, he had real estate, he had bank accounts and he had IP rights. Uh, so uh, what we needed to do was we needed to uh, detect uh, where are the bank accounts, uh, uh, where could this real estate be located, and most of all the IP rights, which was like accruing money, uh, go, uh, ongoing IP, uh, IP rights, you know, um, uh, who is managing them, how can these IP rights legally be given to the heirs. And uh, if you have like uh, minor uh, age uh, kids among the heirs, you know, it's getting fairly complicated uh, because they all are uh, justified to get the IP rights. And in this case, you know, um, uh, our work also involved lots of detective work, you know, uh, first of all, uh, finding these assets. Uh, contacting the banks, uh, banks are covered with uh, bank secrecy, so basically they have no obligation to give uh, out the information. Uh, you can do it uh, through a foreign court or a uh, foreign notary. 
uh, and not always uh, the foreign notaries or foreign courts are cooperating, you know, they are not motivated because it's, uh, it's especially in Europe, it's a low wage job and, uh, and lots of work. So, uh, so basically, you know, we had to detect these assets, we had to uh, make sure uh, how uh, they could be legally obtained and how these inheritance proceedings uh, should be uh, should be continued. And um, another thing, you know, uh, is uh, what we do in a practice is wills. When the opposite situation, uh, opposite situation uh, where we don't have will, when we do a will. And um, what we do draft in practice, again, you know, um, drafting a will is not complicated when when it involves only one country. Uh, but for example, if you have cross-border situation, you have, uh, let's say, real estate in Spain uh, or in any other country, you have to be careful uh, with the fact that, um, that uh, these assets, these real estate uh, uh, can be obtained, but uh, all these proceedings will be done under the Spanish law, not, not under the laws in any of the Baltic country, you know, procedural rules. And um, we have a case uh, in practice where we actually uh, drafted quite sophisticated will uh, where most of the estate uh, was uh, designated to be given for philanthropic purposes. And um, uh, therefore, you know, uh, it was important uh, that the responsibilities of the administrator of the state uh, would be correctly uh, defined. Um, and uh, future uh, taxation issues would be kept in mind. Uh, the case also involved uh, different charities so that, uh, that the charities uh, would actually execute um, uh, would, ex would basically execute, you know, the, the last will of the bequeather. Mm. And um, third aspect, what, uh, what we are working with uh, in our practice um, is insurance policies. And um, uh, insurance policies is actually an alternative uh, to a trust or private foundation. It's like a governance instrument. And um, under insurance policy, um, private individual gives its assets uh, to insurance company. So uh, from this moment, when the assets are packed um, under the insurance policy, they are not legally owned uh, by the private individual anymore, uh, but the insurance company will become owner of, uh, of these assets. And uh, by this, you know, it enables effectively structure uh, the assets uh, separate from, uh, from the owner. And agreement uh, is made between the insurance company and the policy owner. And in this agreement, there has to be a certain risk element, uh, such as uh, accident or theft of a policy owner. And according to this agreement, if this risk element is, um, uh, is uh, reaching, uh, then uh, the insurance uh, uh, company has an obligation to make, for example, donations or outpayments uh, according to the policyholder's uh, instructions. And uh, 
assets, for example, can be distributed among the beneficiaries uh, or part of the assets or, or the asset management uh, will continue uh, as the policyholder uh, has instructed previously. And uh, why it is so popular with insurance policy? It is not so popular in um, uh, in the Baltics. It's uh, it's relatively um, still rarely used. But I see that uh, in the absence of uh, of uh, uh, private foundation or trust uh, regime, uh, it becomes more and more uh, into play. Um, why it is. Uh, um, beneficial uh, in continental Europe is that it enables a certain um, tax deferral. Uh, for example, if you accrue uh, some income, you know, from, from any of your assets, uh, usually it is uh, taxed in your hands immediately when it accrues. Uh, if these assets are under the insurance policy, then of course uh, they are not uh, taxed uh, immediately at this, uh, this moment. Uh, also, many countries use um, inheritance and wealth taxes which is not really the case for a politics, uh, but, uh, but those countries uh, who use uh, this, uh, people can also defer uh, their wealth and, uh, and inheritance taxes. Um, in the politics, I see main uh, purpose of, of thinking or using this insurance policy, uh, just the governance, uh, that uh, it enables you to govern uh, your private wealth in a way that even if something happens to you, uh, the wealth uh, uh, is not distributed immediately to all the beneficiaries or all the heirs, uh, but you can just preserve a certain modus operandi for, for your uh, wealth in the long term. Uh, other stories, uh, what you can uh, share, um, I would uh, divide them into the tax uh, and structuring. Uh, tax is certainly a private wealth uh, issue uh, what clues together uh, all the other aspects of the private wealth uh, management. Uh, for example, again, you know, in case of um, inheritance, uh, the uh, people um, often forget that um, uh, tax exposure depends on where the assets are, uh, what type of assets are inherited, and where the beneficiary is tax resident. Uh, for example, uh, if somebody is tax resident uh, in the future, let's say in France, and, um, and inherits uh, uh, something you know, from a grandparents in the Baltics, uh, then the tax exposure will be in France according to French laws and vice versa, of course. Uh, also, um, you have to keep in mind that uh, local law always applies to real estate. So, for example, if uh, the family or private individual has real estate in some other countries, uh, let's say from Lithuanian perspective, to have a summer home uh, in, uh, in Spain is quite popular. So you have to keep in mind that uh, tax consequences uh, will uh, be, become um, relevant you know, in, in Spain to, to the real estate. And that's why, you know, if you purchase a real estate for a private purposes, uh, uh, we all uh, we often see in a practice that it is relevant to, to think through um, what would you like to do with this real estate, uh, whether you should uh, purchase, uh, purchase it as a private individual, uh, whether you should uh, use uh, a real estate company 
or um, uh, whether you should take up a bank loan, uh, which is quite often the case, you know, uh, how the real estate is uh, purchased in, in France or, or in Spain, um, because uh, then you don't have such exposure to the inheritance taxes, which would be otherwise too in those countries. And um, what we also see in practice um, are tax uh, declarations in cross-border situations. And the thing is that people forget to inform the banks about the change of the tax residency. Uh, and it can cause unnecessary discussions after the banks exchange the information under uh, common reporting standards. We see it actually quite often happening, and especially, you know, with uh, internationally movable uh, individuals. Uh, for example, um, IT developers uh, coming from uh, other countries, uh, either to permanently or temporarily live in the Baltics. Uh, it has happened that, uh, that they just uh, forgot to put their foreign bank accounts into the uh, local tax declarations. And then, of course, you know, the banks are giving this information to, to, uh, to our local um, tax authorities and tax authorities see that there are, you know, accounts which have not been declared. And um, it gives actually, uh, you know, lots of explaining and, and in some cases lots of work. And there is also, uh, I would like to mention the trusts and foundations because it was about uh, 20 years ago when uh, foreign banks became very active in the Baltics and uh, there were several individuals who had foreign bank accounts and sometimes, you know, with these foreign bank accounts also the uh, trust uh, structures uh, were uh, purchased or, or the assets were allocated to as trust uh, structures. And now, approximately 20 years later, the time has came when those trusts start to make um, distributions to the beneficiaries. And uh, there is no uh, clear understanding uh, in the politics how those uh, distributions to the beneficiaries uh, should be taxed. Uh, different countries uh, use different understandings um, and even, you know, uh, uh, in Latvia or in Estonia, even the tax authorities are not sure whether those, um, uh, those payments should be treated as dividends, uh, as interest, as other income or, uh, or something else. Uh, so what we have done in practice is that uh, we have asked binding rulings uh, from uh, the tax authorities uh, to, uh, to explain how they see, you know, but, um, but it, is, uh, it is something what is not clear and it's certainly something what is um, uh, becoming more and more important uh, in the future. And um, Mm, there are also certain tax issues, especially in cases uh, where the family lives in different jurisdictions. Uh, for example, the husband works uh, in UK and the family lives uh, in the Baltics. And then uh, also we have in the practice, you know, lots of questions between uh, uh, Finland and Estonia, um, Cyprus and Latvia, for example, uh, Lithuania and Spain. And always the question is that uh, where uh, is a vital centre uh, of interest, you know? Is it there where the family members are located or is it there where the businesses are located or, the, or where the private individual is? And, um, and uh, it, it is also something what, you know, if you have this situation, <clears throat> 
you should think it through, you know. Um, in which countries, you know, uh, you uh, you should declare your income and according to uh, to which articles. And um, lots of work what we currently do uh, do uh, is um, is structuring. Uh, for example, what we have done is uh, that. Um, to design the articles of association uh, in a way that it would best protect the interest of, uh, of uh, family members. Uh, we are implementing a family constitution, you know, because uh, quite some families have a document, but it's not properly uh, implemented. Uh, it has to implement it uh, into the company's documents, uh, such as uh, shareholders agreements articles of associations, also if uh, family members have wills, uh, nuptial agreements, they have to reflect those principles um, uh, enacted in, uh, in a family constitution. And uh, lots of work is also coming in at the moment uh, uh, from restructuring of the company ownership in a way that it would uh, benefit the family members the best. For example, there are several uh, businessmen uh, who have different projects under their one holding. Uh, let's say so that um, some family member is, is launching a new project, be it in a real estate or be, in, uh, be it in a social media. And um, uh, is doing it over this holding company. So the question is, uh, if it is uh, if it is right to do so, if it is justified, or maybe uh, it should be like a different uh, company um, set up for these uh, new projects. And um, the last issue, what I would like to uh, mention you know, from our back practice is, is actually art and philanthropy. Uh, both uh, of these uh, things lie especially close to my heart. And um, art, I would say, is um, I'm, I'm proud to say that I think uh, Soranen is a first law office in the politics uh, who is at least thinking in these terms uh, to provide uh, art-related advice uh, to the, uh, for example, to the collectors uh, or private museums uh, or why not uh, the state museums. And uh, there is um, <clears throat> one example that I would like to, uh, to share with you from our practice. It was uh, quite a jolly event. Um, uh, the thing was that uh, about two years ago, um, uh, a movie Tenet was filmed in Estonia. Probably uh, several of you have seen the movie. It's a fascinating movie, really interesting. So that was part of this movie was filmed in Estonia. And part of the shootings uh, was taking place in Estonia National uh, Museum of Art, Kumu. And of course, everybody was, was very happy. Uh, shootings went well. And then in some uh, uh, moment it came out that uh, on some of those uh, shootings, you know, uh, the paintings on the walls were also visible. And the question is that if you reproduce uh, such images as, as paintings uh, in a movie, you should have um, uh, consent uh, from, uh, from authors, from the painters or uh, organizations uh, representing those painters. You can't show uh, some paintings in some movie just like that. Uh, you have no legal right for that. 
And um, <laughs> in the last moment, uh, we, uh, we had to deal with the fact that, you know, uh, which paintings are allowed to be seen, you know, how to uh, obtain by consents. And I think it is also a tip uh, for all private uh, collectors and, and museums that um, actually the agreements, if you take the paintings to the exhibition or to the loan, um, they should uh, also enact uh, or, or have a provisions which are covering such situations that if somebody comes to the museum and, for example, is making a movie there, you know, whether those paintings uh, can be uh, showed during the movie or not. So that is uh, one real life uh, example, you know, uh, what's, uh, what we have had. And of course, you know, um, uh, it is always fascinating, you know, when it comes to art and taxation, uh, because uh, if you import art, um, if you talk about um, paintings, then it's uh, fairly, it's, it's never simple, but it's a fairly understandable process. But uh, if you import, uh, for example, art um, light installations or um, uh, or uh, audio exhibitions, you know, then it's always a question: uh, Is it an artwork, or is it just DVD players? Uh, there is uh, one um, uh, famous case uh, from e European uh, Union level uh, where the importation of um, of light installations uh, was considered not to be importation of art, uh, but just uh, separate light bulbs, uh, which were uh, subjected to uh, to a much higher tax rate than the artworks would have been. And um, before I finish my presentation today, um, I would like to uh, uh, to thank you all that to participate. Uh, today we have nearly 600 people uh, participating at our webinar. Uh, it is a great platform uh, for Sorainen. Uh, it also could be a great platform for our clients uh, to, um, uh, to share their message. Uh, but it's also a great responsibility. And that's why I would like to just remind that in the heart of everything what we do in, uh, in our practice group is responsibility. And our goal uh, is to unite and not to divide and to advance and not to disadvantage, not the private individuals, not their family members or not the society. So always to find a common language. And uh, the next slide in essay is about our team members. So we have um, uh, we have uh, local teams in all our offices in Estonia, uh, Latvia, Lithuania, and, and Belarus. Um, uh, we are truly international team in a way that uh, we cooperate together. And uh, I think private client practice is one of the practices where it is possible to make. Uh, uh, cooperation so that if somebody drafts a will in Lithuania, you can use actually this document also in Estonia because our laws are relatively uh, similar. And uh, I thank you all for listening to my presentation. I've gone slightly over the time.